Fantastic. Are you ready for the word this morning? Yeah. Too right we are. Awesome. A year of restoration. That's what we are declaring out this morning in church. Too right. We don't believe in robbing. We believe in restoration and restoring. And God is the one who can do that. Isn't he amazing? So you ready? Let's go. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are Lord of all. And I'm just so thankful for that because if you're not Lord at all, then it's not no good for us. But you are Lord of everything. That's everything. That includes our homes, our harvest, our provisions, our workplace, and every area of our life. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you are mighty and we can just declare there is victory in front of us, victory behind us, victory on our left, and victory on our right. We are completely surrounded by victory because we stand with the Lord of all on the rock. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So last weekend, we went to Arise Church. We had the privilege of um, taking our daughter, Chloe, down. It was a bit hard saying goodbye at the taxi. We're trying not to cry, but we had, we had a good weekend. It was lovely to meet the team there, and they made us feel very welcome. They sent their blessings as well, and um, it was so funny because I just like to have fun in church. I just think there's nothing boring about God's kingdom. There is nothing boring about coming here. And I just like to take that wherever I go. So they have a church of, there must be, what, 2,000 there. I have no idea how many are in their church. This is the Wellington one. And they had this photographer, and he was going around taking pictures of young people because they've got lots of young people in their church. And every time he would go to click the photo with a row of young people, I just bombed the photo. <laughs> and Chloe was like, Mom, you just don't do that. Because she's trying to be like, coming cool and quietly. And every time I'm like, and I went, girl, I am bringing excitement to her eyes. So there you go. Thank you, Jesus. Too right. All right. Oh, I think I need my glasses. Do you know I lost my glasses while I was on Auckland? I've had, I mean, Wellington, I was a bit brassed off. I have this black case, and I put it in the taxi because I need glasses now. I'm getting younger, so I need glasses. And um, I, I got out the taxi. I looked on the seat, and because I'm a bit blurry-eyed now, I didn't see my black case was still sitting there. I lost them got robbed, and you'll laugh when you hear what I'm going to preach on this morning, and I was so brassed off, so I had to phone from Wellington, my optician up here, and say, can you get me some new glasses, I need them quickly, I can't see, so I go, and as I'm driving to get pick up my new glasses, I went, oh, I should have asked for the brightest colored case you can ever imagine, and I forgot, I went and picked it up, she puts the case on the top, you'll have a laugh, look at the case, now, I want you to know I drive a bright orange car and guess what color the wheels are? Black. I just love my hipster car. It's so me. I just think it's awesome. And I went, did you? I said to the lady, did you know what kind of car I drive? And she went, no. I went, come and have a look. I said, that orange car with the black wheels is my car. And look at this. I'm going to see these from high heaven. I'm so proud. Okay. 
Right, year of restoration. That is our theme for this year, and I'm going to preach on restoring. Okay, Judges chapter 6, and it should come up on the screen. Okay, Judges chapter 6, again, reading from verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So they were pretty much on the run and hiding. Wow. Verse 3, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. Verse 4 says, they camped. How dare they? They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. Not the sheep, nor the cattle, nor the donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravish it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Wow, how dare they? That is terrible. Is it coming up? Yes, it is. Brilliant. Okay, then it goes in to Gideon. Straight from there, it moves into Gideon. I need my things blowing. Right. And then it comes in, verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belongs to Joash the Abizrite. That sounds pretty good, eh? I'll take it at that. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So here was these people, the Midianites. Every year, as soon as they'd done all the hard work, the children of Israel, they'd been working hard all year, they'd planted this crop, and here these people would come up and rob them. And then we come to the story of Gideon. The little that he has got, he's hiding it in a wine press to get and feed his family. Then it says that the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Wow. And then Gideon replies and says, But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders or where are all his miracles that our fathers told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord said, I am sending you. And Gideon says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. And the Lord said, I will be with you. I'm going to stop there because I'm going to read on uh, later. Two questions that are asked here. And this is by Gideon. Where are all the miracles? I preached about three weeks ago on I believe in miracles. So this is Gideon is saying, where are all the miracles? And the other question that I want to ask today is, what can I do? Now, Gideon never once felt like a warrior, did he? If you think about him, he was hiding because he was worried about the enemy. They were intimidating him, robbing his crop all the time. He was worried. And he was also afraid because he says, I am the least in my father's house. We are living in days where 
we're seeing much evil around, aren't we? Let's face it. There is so much evil around. And sometimes you can say, when you see the mess of your family and the mess of the world, you can say, God, where are all the miracles? And what can I do? Can I make any difference? Well, I'm going to tell you that God had a conversation with Gideon because he wants to tell him something. And I like it how God works because he said this. Clear, reading down, it should come up, verse 25 it is, 25, yes. That same night, the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's house, sorry, herd, the one that's seven years old, tear, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height, using the wood from the Asherah pole that you cut down off of the second bull as an offering. So Gideon takes 10 men and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. Wow. Here's Gideon saying, where is my miracle? And God says, sort your house out. Get rid of what's in the house that's stumbling you from your miracle. And he was like, but that's my father's responsibility. And God said, you're going to do it. Fathers, is there things in your home that are hindering your miracle? What is in your home that might be hindering your miracle here this morning? I want to call all the fathers and give you a challenge here. Sometimes we do like to have a bit of a, a kick in, in, in our rear, eh? Fathers, what might be in your home that is hindering your miracle? Now, Gideon could have said, but God, I've asked you for a miracle. I don't really want to be part of something. Have you any idea the trouble this could cause me doing what you're asking me to do? But God said, get rid of this idol that's in your father's house. Now, this idol there, it was one was to Baal, and this is how far the people of God had got down, had stooped. He was this idol. It was, it was one to Baal and one to Asherah. Now, they believed that they worship, with worshiping Baal, that he was the god of the weather. And so, every, so they relied on the weather for their crops and their harvest. So every time they would get Midian coming up against them to rob their crops, they would start worshipping this thing all the more because they were relying on Baal. Instead of going and looking to the God of the universe, the one who is the one you talk to and ask for your miracles, they were relying on this thing. And you know, Midian means strife. The devil wants to come along and bring strife in your life. He wants to rob you of the miracle that's in your house. You might think that your children are off the rails. This is happening. That's happening. But you know what? You say, no, we are going to follow the Lord. We are going to clean up our house. And you are going to make that declaration and start using things in your house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So then it goes on. And I want you to notice that after he does this, 
miracles start to happen. He gets rid of his father's idol, and if you read Gideon, I can't, um, Judges 6, I can't, for time, can't go through um, a lot of it, but miracles after miracles start to happen, and God said, you are going to be saving your people. So what happens is, Gideon asks for a little sign, he puts the fleece out, God does the miracle there. Then he says, oh, I want another sign, God, just to know that you are for real. I want another sign. And God gives him another sign. Then, last of all, he comes and he's going to take over, he's going to um, fight the Midians. And this is what um, God does here. And I'm going to read it out because it's quite interesting. Verse 19 of chapter 7, it should come up. It's, oh, verse 12 says, The eastern people had settled in the valley thick as locusts. So here you go. He was these Midianites that come up to rob the people of God again of their harvest. And the Bible describes them as locusts. There was more than the sands of the seashore. There were so many of them. Now, I have spoken to farmers before in the past, and a farmer has told me that when they planted their crops, when the, the locusts came, they just could do nothing. They would come and they literally strip everything. They lost all the harvest and there was nothing they could do. So here's these people coming to intimidate, Midian coming to intimidate God's people again. And then verse 19, it says this, Gideon and a hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp. So here's all these Midians. They're coming up to the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets. They broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Wow. Don't you think that's interesting? What did they have in their hand? Gideon never, never had a sword in his hand. I think that's interesting. What you think you might need to use for fighting, what did he have in his hand? He had the light and a trumpet. Now, when you want to replace something and give out a spring cleaning your house, you always replace it with something else. And it tells us, when, when I read there, that Gideon built a new altar to the Lord. You have got a family altar in your home. This. This is an amazing family altar. This is the light of the if you get this in your hand, the light of the good news of Jesus Christ, this is what Gideon had. He had the light and he had a trumpet. A trumpet makes a noise. And you have got the best trumpet ever, your voice. And I can tell you, when you speak God's light and God's promises over your situation, over your darkness, the light removes it. Isn't it powerful? It is so good. So this is what Gideon was told to do, is to remove what was in his father's house that was causing his stumbling, and he replaced it with 
a new altar, an altar to the Lord. Wow, it's the light that gets rid of the darkness. He was the Midian robbing uh, the, the food, robbing them from their food, and God says, no, he is the provider. Psalms 119 and 105 say this, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Isn't that wonderful? So you might think you're not a warrior. Well, I can tell you, are you a little bit afraid this morning? Are you a little bit worried about the future sometimes? Do you feel like you go into hiding? Well, you're a warrior in the making because the angel of the Lord saw Gideon right where he was and he said, wow, you are a mighty warrior. You are mighty warriors here this morning. Isn't it amazing? Because it's not about what you can do, but about what God can do through you. You get the light of the word, the, the great word of God in your hand. You use your trumpet and speak out those blessings. It's amazing. Um, a few weeks, uh, months ago it probably was now, we sponsor a missionary from Bangladesh. And he gave us a call and he said, we've got a couple coming over from England. And he said, I would like you to visit them and encourage them. They're coming to Kirikiri just to have a look around. They were moving, uh, just visiting from England. So Paul and I phoned them up and we said, can we meet you? So we took them out for dinner. And as we like to do, we like to say, oh, let's, let's hear your story. What's your story? So his wife just started to share with me about one of the darkest times in her life where she felt so weak she had um, just lost a baby, and she was grieving. She was uh, feeling like, I just don't really want to do this anymore. And she had been um, working in the prisons. And so one day she got a phone call, and they said, we want you, the chaplain there had said, oh, you need to come into the prison. So she, she said, I didn't feel like it. She, she goes into the prison, and as she's in there, this woman comes towards her. It was a women's prison, and the women, they were in the communal area, and, and this, one of the inmates had come towards her, and she said, I want you to pray with me. And this lady said, I did not want to pray. She said, I was in such a low point of my life through everything that I'd gone through, and she said, I didn't feel like praying, but she said, I just prayed. And she said, it wasn't this great thunder and lightning prayer. It was just one of those simple prayers. And she said, I, I, the woman went back to her, her cell and she said she went home. About a couple of weeks later, she comes into the prison and there's this, you know, the little doors that you go through. She said she could hear this yelling. There was this woman yelling through the peephole, calling her name as she went in. And as she went to the, to the little door and looked through, this woman said, I've got saved. I've received Jesus as my Savior. And the woman went, really? She said, yes, when you prayed for me, I just thought I, I just received Jesus. And she's going, really? And what happened at that time was this woman, the, the lady that, that had come in to pray she had one Bible on her, and she said, I don't know why I grabbed this Bible, but she said it was actually a Dutch Bible, so it wasn't even an English Bible. And she said, well, I haven't really got anything. You just have this. And what she didn't know was that this inmate was actually Dutch. 
and she could understand the word of God. And as she had gone back into her cell, she'd opened it up, started reading it. And she said to the woman, and I want to get baptized. And she said, I just prayed with her. I felt like I did nothing. There was not, no mer- wonderful miracles. And not only that, but in the prison, they had never, ever had a baptism, ever. They'd done sprinkling, but they did have a swimming pool, and it was empty. So the staff actually said, we will allow her to be baptized. So there was miracle after miracle after miracle. You might think you're not a warrior, but God is, and he can move through you. I just want to get Daniel, I call him Big Daniel because I can never say his last name, Daniel to come up and share about restoration quickly, a testimony that he has, and then I'm going to get someone else. Thank you so much. I'm getting goosebumps. (laughs) Um, I received a phone call from South Africa uh, from a young lady. Um, She and her husband stayed with us for a while in Napier. We went to the same church in Adelaide for a while. And um, she spoke for an hour and six minutes before the call dropped. And my wife said to me, it's the first time she's ever um, seen me in conversation and not say a single word. But sometimes we just have to listen. That's all we have to do. And so they'd had a lot of prophecies over their lives, awesome family, and he had uh, got sidetracked and wanted a divorce. And she refused to accept the divorce. And she said to me, I want you to stand with me. And it was just beautiful the way she um, stayed unemotional and looked to God for restoration. And um, so, so we've been doing that. And this morning a, a text came through to say my husband is returning. And you know, sometimes, Sometimes we feel so helpless. I didn't know really what to say to her. And in those times, we can only look to God. He's the restorer. He's the only one who can do the miracles. He can break the curse. He can get rid of that Jezebel spirit. He can do it all. And as we just look to him and not within ourselves and looking for wise words from ourselves, but in him all the time, turning to him, which is what she did, and now they are being restored. And I just really give God all the glory. It's just an amazing testament to the honor and glory of God. So I'm going to invite Matt up as well, because I know Matt's got an awesome testimony to share. So where are all the miracles? They're right here with God. Awesome, Matt. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Um, I just want to pray before I actually speak, if you don't mind. Lord, um, we come to you in prayer all the time because we want to acknowledge you and um, declare your lordship over us, because you are. Now... I just want to share a bit of a word of God, of what God's done for my family. Last year for me was a crap year, I tell you. Now, if anything, I want all eyes on me, all ears listening to me, because this is important. If you take away anything today, I hope it will be something that I share with you that God's put in, um, that's God's, that's God has actually put in my heart to share with you, because it's really important, okay? Now, I work in the prisons, and I... And, um, the other person shared that they went into prisons. You know, you were sharing about the prisons. There's another world out there where the enemy is actually attacking so many people and lives. You, you probably see it in China when you're, you're there. Um, a lot of us are oblivious to things that are happening in the world. And there are 
We don't fight against flesh and blood, but are principalities and powers. There are powers attacking every single one of us every day. When we wake up and if we've got time to go to church, you'll, you'll, you know, the, the enemy will be attacking you. I know you're too tired. Stay home or you've got other things to do. But God comes first. And it's our minds that have to stay strong. And our faith, because it says by faith, Abraham was able to do this. All the, all the saints were able to do things. Last year, my father was diagnosed with cancer. Um, now, he didn't tell anyone. Um, he's a real stubborn old Christian man. And um, I live up here. I go down to Auckland to work um, quite a lot. And um, I stay with my parents. I have the opportunity to stay with them and um, share with them and talk with them. And um, I started looking at Dad, and he um, slowly, every time I went down, he started getting skinny and skinny. And this is a man that was actually huge. He used to weight lift until, I don't know how weight. When he was 60, he was still lifting weights, and he was a huge man. But all of a sudden, from this man, from when I grew up, and even in my 30s, this big man started dwindling in front of my eyes. And I said to Mum, is Dad okay? And she said, yeah, he seems to be okay. I said, are you sure? Because he's not looking good. Now, if anyone has had people with cancer in their lives, you'll know what they look like and how fast they start to diminish. And Dad started looking like that, so I actually approached him. I said, Dad, what's wrong? And um, he shared that he had gone to the doctors, but he refused to go anymore. He didn't say anything else. So he got to a point where he had to actually go to the hospital, and um, they had diagnosed him with cancer in his liver. And they said that he didn't have much time to live. Now, last year, I think we came here in October... November, and my whole family came up for the very purpose to come up to Kirikiri. He wanted to, he had never seen where I lived, so I shared the whole, I asked, invited the whole family to come up, including Dad. We came up, and it was a time for the family to get together in unity, and the whole purpose they thought was to actually, you know, spend the last days of Dad before he passes, but I actually wanted us to actually pray over him. Now, half our family are Christians, half of them aren't, but they've been brought up in the Word of God. They're just not believers. So um, on a Saturday night, we got together, and I said, look, um, I got a bonfire outside, and we, we started praying, got marshmallows out, and I said, hey, look, I just want the family to get together, and we want to pray over God. Pray over God, sorry. We want to pray over Dad. Yeah. And um, so we all started praying, and I let everyone have the eternal prayer. And as people do, when they want miracles, they go, they'll say, Lord, we believe that you're going to heal so-and-so or dad or whatever. And then they go, but not our will, your will be done. And for me, that's a cop-out because yeah. God's will is for miracles to take place. Yeah. Now, when, when he, I'm not going to preach here, sorry. Right. Now, when he actually, when, when Jesus was leaving the earth, he said, Lord, greater things that you can do than I yeah. did because I leave behind the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And so I said to them, I said, look, no offense to anyone, but the prayer is, by faith, believing that dad can be healed. And everyone was saying the amens and that, which is great, but some people will say amen just for the sake of saying amen. Yeah. But when we say amen and we believe in faith, God moves the spiritual realm that we cannot see. Now, we don't know that when we pray, which is what we take for granted, is that these angels fighting a heavenly battle against the enemy because the enemy will bring sickness and everything else to pull us down. He'll blind us in every way we can, and you'll stay down, and your faith will be beaten every single time. Now, slowly I saw the, my family's face thunder dwindle, and I said, look, when I prayed, I said, Lord, we believe in your word, and your word says 
that you, you can heal because you heal, you provide, you save, you do anything. There's nothing that God cannot do. And I said, but I'm praying that this miracle will take place so that you will be glorified. Because everyone was saying, oh, we don't want dad to go, we want him, we don't want... But they were praying for their own selfish desires to keep dad around. Now the trick, the trick, the, the, actual, the actual, the answer is, it's all for the glory of God. So he can do the miracle. We just have to pray and believe, and he does the rest. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious or anything, because the Bible says don't, not to do that. So that's what I prayed over him. But it was a long battle, because when he went home, um, you have to keep praying. You have to keep praying. And the Bible says rejoice forevermore. Seize without praying. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. And those, if you follow those principles of those things, God will actually move mountains in your lives. We can move mountains of sickness, anything. So um, Dad went to hospital, and um, um, you know, and the doctor said, no, he's too far gone. He is, he's only got a few weeks to live. And the whole family started to dwindle in their faith. They started going, oh, doubting. And they'll text me, they'll ring me, and they'll, they'll talk to Mum. And I'll go down to Auckland, and then she'll share everything with me. And I said, no, Mum. No matter what they say, I said, if I'm the only one left, or you and I are the only one left, laying hands on Dad every time I'm down here and praying for him and believing, then that will be the only ones left, and that will be it. It doesn't matter because God has already done the miracle. So Dad was, went to hospital. He lost a lot of weight. He actually turned real black. His feet got really black. Um, he was actually at the stage where he was actually dying. And my brothers were saying, um, the doctors said to my brother, um, give him anything to eat now, whatever he wants. So I went into the hospital and he had this lemonade and he was drinking it. He said, what do you, I call it the devil water, um, fizzy drinks. I said, what are you giving dad the devil water for? Because it's not good for him. They said, oh, the doctor said, give him anything. I said, what the doctors say is not what God says. Stop giving him that crap. Sorry for my language. Um, I said, because on Jesus Christ is what we stand on. Yeah. Now, to cut a long story short, dad is actually healed. His colours come back. He came out of hospital and he's doing the lawns. He's standing up painting the house and everything else. You wouldn't even know that he's sick. Now, everyone that has known that he has been sick and they saw him are actually ringing mum and going, oh, how, how the heck did this happen? And she said, because there's power in prayer and power in God. So one thing that I need everyone to actually believe in, no matter what you're going through, is keep your eyes on Christ. It says there's power not just in prayer, but you have to fast prayer and fasting, and you will move mountains. Okay? Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Matt. Awesome. So I want to leave this first. Do you know the devil does not have permission to alter the plan of God? Isn't that good? So do you believe in miracles this morning, eh? Where are all the miracles? They are happening. And I want to leave this verse with you. Joel 2 and 25 says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. The Midianites were called locusts, and that's what God said. I will restore the years.